Why don't you join me as we pray, and then we're going to get stuck into this passage. Uh, EV, the church here, has been working its way through the book of Romans, and this just happens to be the passage that they're up to. And so this is the passage that we're going to open for uh, us tonight. But I'm convinced that God has something to say for us from this passage, and so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Why don't you join me? Father, I thank you for the privilege that it is to read your word and ask that you would speak to us from it tonight. Help us to see its relevance for our life, how we were once under law, but through the death of Christ, we can be set free to live in a new way of the Spirit. I pray that you might set some of us free tonight and that those of us who are free might learn what it looks like to live that Spirit-filled life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Who here has been to Singapore? Has anyone been to Singapore? Is anyone from Singapore? No? Maybe not. About a month ago, I spent some time in Singapore. Now, Singapore is an awesome place. It's a beautiful place, beautiful people, beautiful food. But I couldn't help leaving Singapore with the overwhelming impression that the Singaporean people, as beautiful as they are, love rules. They just love them. Like, I walked into a souvenir shop, and there was a T-shirt hanging, which said on it, Singapore, it's a real fine city. Not, by the way, fine as in it's a nice place, but fine because if you break one of our rules, we'll fine you. (laughs) And on this T-shirt, there are a bunch of signs which you can find all around Singapore. I mean, these are great. Like, it doesn't just have the normal signs. No smoking, no parking. They've even got some other ones. I'll give you my three favorite. Number one, Singapore has a sign that says no chewing gum. Now, do you know it's actually illegal, legitimately illegal to have gum in Singapore? I think this is out of control, right? Like some places you go to and they've got a black market. The black market is the place that you buy illegal stuff. So you could buy guns or drugs or kidneys or chewing gum in Singapore, right? (laughs) Second one, they've actually got a sign that says no picking flowers. No flower picking. I'm like, come on, that is OTT, right? I mean, I imagine if you pick a flower and you get busted, so the, the cop takes you down to the station and you're with all the other felons and they're like, what did you get picked for? Uh, armed robbery. Murder. Flower picking. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. My third, the third sign, which you can see in Singapore, and this is my favorite. You can walk into lifts, like elevators in Singapore, and they've actually got signs that say, believe it or not, no urinating in the lift. <laughs> I'm like, who walks into the lift going, oh, I really got to go? Darn it, there's a sign I can't. Like, shame on the person that brought that rule into existence. Rules. Singapore loves them. I wonder if you've ever thought much about rules. Like, why do they exist? What is the point of rules? Well, I don't know if this is right exactly, but here's my thought. I reckon rules exist in order to conform us or a group of people to a certain ideal. That is, there's, think about the Singaporean government. Why would, what would motivate them to put all these signs up all over their country? And presumably, it's that they have in their mind an ideal Singaporean citizen that they want everyone to be like, and they think that they can get them to be that way through rules. Now, you might say, hang on, why is he talking about Singapore and rules when we've just read the Bible. Well, here's why. 
I suspect that when many of us think about Christianity, this is the way that we think. In other words, we think, yes, okay, there is kind of an ideal. There there is sort of this person that God wants us to be, the ideal person. And the way that Christians are trying to get there is through obedience to rules. Well, this way of thinking, I would suggest, is right and wrong. Let Let me explain. It's right because as you search the Scriptures, as you read the Scriptures, you do actually get the impression that there is an ideal person or if that's not the best way of putting it, a person that God is pleased with, this ideal type of character. And this is a person, it's quite attractive, by the way. They're kind, they're loving, they're compassionate, they're generous, but they're also strong. They stand up for truth. They fight against injustice. They're courageous. It's the type of person, I don't know about you, it's the type of person I would love to be. I'd love to be this ideal person. But the second question, and this is where they get it wrong, is how do you get there? How do you be that ideal person, that person that God wants? Because tonight, in the book of Romans, Romans is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Rome. And he's in the middle of an argument. In chapter 6, he said, look, there is this ideal life. Uh, We are to live as slaves of righteousness. That's a good thing, by the way. Slaves of righteousness. But you don't get there, you don't become righteous through rule keeping. And so my goal tonight is quite simple. I'm going to do two things. From that passage we had read out for before, I'm going to do two things. Number one, I want to show you why rules don't work. And then second of all, I want to show you why Jesus does. Number one, why rules don't work. Number two, why Jesus does. If you've got a Bible, get it open. First of all, why rules don't work. Read verse 5 with me. We'll come back to the others later. In verse 5, Paul writes, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. I want to give you two reasons from that verse that law doesn't work. Number one, law or rules don't deal with the flesh. You see... At the start of verse 5, Paul writes, for when we're in the realm of the flesh, the flesh. I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but when the Bible speaks about flesh, it's not in the same way that we would think of it. We think flesh and blood, right? My hands, my feet, those things that got cold before. When the Bible speaks about flesh, it's using it representatively, almost symbolically, of that which is evil, that which is corrupt within us. Anyone seen The Nutty Professor, the movie Nutty Professor? A handful of us. The Nutty Professor, if you don't know it, it's about a guy named Sherman Clump. Uh, He's awesome name. Uh, He's this big, kind of overweight professor. You can see him on the screen on the left. Now, that wouldn't be all that much of a problem, except that Sherman is convinced that he's met this girl, Carla. He's convinced that she won't go out with him unless he's skinny. So what he does, because he's a professor, is make a potion that makes him lose weight really quickly. And so he loses like 100 kilos when he drinks it. And what he does, as you can see, is turn into that guy in the mirror, his alter ego, handsome and funny, buddy love. Problem is, as the movie goes on, what you realize is that buddy love is actually a jerk. He's rude, 
he's crude, he's evil. I mean, by the end of it, he's actually trying to kill Sherman Clump. Now, I realize it's just a comedy, so I don't want to try and draw too many life lessons from the Nutty Professor, but I actually think it's testifying to something that we kind of know to be true and actually something that the Bible has been telling us is true for thousands of years, and that is all of us have within us a buddy love. All of us have within us this, this force for evil, this thing that is, is far more capable of doing horrible things than we would ever care to admit or imagine. All of us have within us the flesh. I suspect that you know this to be true, do you not? I mean, you know what you're supposed to do, you just can't do it. You might read the Bible and say, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this, but you feel like there's something at war within you, making you, I know what I want to do, I just can't do it. The things that I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, those I do do. If you've ever read, if you've ever read Romans 7, that's what Paul is talking about. This process, there's a fight within us. Paul says, it's from the flesh, flesh sorry, and as a result, the consequence is that well, law just doesn't work. Rules don't fix this problem of the flesh. We might know what we have to do, but unless something comes in, unless something changes us and gives us the power to overcome that, then laws, rules are never going to help us. That's the first problem with rules. They don't overcome the flesh. Let me give you the second one. In verse 5 again, I said the two, come, two will come from verse 5. Paul writes, For when we were in the realm of the flesh... The sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. Two things I want to focus on there, being aroused by the law and then fruit for death. Arousal is to be woken up. So it's like a dog is sleeping and then you walk past and you arouse it. It wakes up and it's ready to pounce. Paul says the law has the same kind of effect on our sinful passions. There's something within us that when the law walks past, we wake up and we want to break that law. We want to do what it says not to do. Perfect example of this. Scout's honor, by the way. This is not a lie. I have never, ever, ever wanted to pee in a lift until I got to Singapore. (laughs) I go to Singapore. It tells me not to. All of a sudden, I'm like, I wonder what it would be like. (laughs) What is that? Why do I do that? What it's telling me, though, is that a law is not going to help me live that ideal life. And you say, I would never pee in a lift. Well, what about you? You know this to be true. Have you ever seen one of those signs, don't walk on the grass? Or wet paint, do not touch? Like, (laughs) what is it about us that makes us do that? The law comes in. It doesn't help. It makes us worse rather than better. And actually, as a result of that, the more fundamental problem is Paul says we produce fruit for death. You see that in verse 5? We produce fruit for death. You say, why is that? What does that mean? Well, the thing with laws, or the thing with rules, is that in order to be rules, they need a penalty. Like, by definition, a rule needs a penalty. If it doesn't have a penalty, it's a guideline. Do not step on the grass. I do it. If you can't do anything to me, it's not a rule. It's just a guideline. God has rules. God has laws. And those laws carry with them a penalty for breaking them. Paul says it's death. 
death for breaking God's laws, which means when we're under law, when we're trying to please God through law, if we have this flesh within us that not only means we can't obey them, but actually want to break them, all that is left open to us is to produce what Paul calls fruit for death. And therefore, put people like you and put people like me in danger of God's judgment, in danger of God's condemnation, which is a place that we don't want to be. Now, I said I wanted to talk about why laws don't work and why Jesus does. Before we get there, I want to explain briefly what is going on in verses 1 through 3. Because as we read it, it's this section about marriage and the breaking up and whatever is going on. You might have gone, what is going on there? That's kind of weird. Well, it is sort of weird. But I want to show you how understanding this is going to help us get to understanding how we be with Jesus. You see, for Paul, it, as we read it, he's talking about how you go from one marriage partner to another marriage partner. We read it and it goes, that's out of place. But that's because Paul knows something that we don't, which is that moving from, G- from law to Jesus is not a process of changing your mind, it's a process of changing your master. Moving from rules to Jesus, law to Jesus, is not a process of changing your mind, but of changing your master. And Paul says, there needs to be a death. In order to be set free from one, there needs to be a death. And what Paul is articulating in 1 to 3 He makes specific in verse 4. Read it with me. Because what Paul says is the death that we need, the death that is going to free us from this condemnation that we fear in the law, is the death of Jesus. Paul writes in verse 4, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. The death that we needed, the death that frees us from law to live this ideal life with Jesus, is the death of Jesus. Now, I know that seems a little weird. We don't always understand why is that the case. We haven't grown up under this Old Testament law, but Paul says it's important. So it is. Paul's excited about this. He says, you were slaves to one thing, now you're free and belong to another, Jesus Christ. So what I want to do now is show you how much better, show you how good belonging to Jesus is, how much better it is than being bound, slaves to the law. So again, I want to give you two things. Two reasons why belonging to Jesus is so much better than belonging to the law. Number one, He saves us, He doesn't condemn us. He saves us, He doesn't condemn us. Remember we talked about the law? I want you to think of this piece of cardboard as representing everything that we possibly could do, everything that we possibly could be, good and bad. What law does is come along and, so to speak, scribble out those bits that we shouldn't be, those things that we shouldn't do, until the end result is a person, this ideal picture, this kind of person that God would have, that God created us to be. 
problem is God in the Old Testament gives His people the law. It's called the Ten Commandments. And all through the Old Testament, we're waiting for someone to fulfill this, to be this person. No one ever does. They keep stepping over the mark. They keep breaking the law. But then Jesus turns up and Jesus fulfills the law. He is that ideal person. He is that person we were created, designed to be. He's that perfect life that he lives. And you say, why does that help me? Well, did you see it in verse 4? We belong to another. We belong to Jesus. What that means is that we now get to share in Jesus' righteousness, His goodness, His fulfillment of the law, we get to participate in. Think about it like this. When someone who's really poor marries someone who's really rich, the rich person's bank account, which has like one with a whole bunch of zeros on it, they get to participate in it. The, the, the poor person gets to celebrate and participate in the richness of the rich person through marriage. So it is when we belong to Christ. Now, God, Jesus' goodness gets credited to our account. So rather than when God looking at us, Him seeing disobedience, seeing all those areas where we've fallen short, all the reasons that He should punish us, no. God looks at us and sees all the reasons because of Jesus that He loves us. Under law, all we could do was produce fruit for death. With Christ... As Paul says in verse 4, we can produce fruit for God. What that means is, as Christians, the things we do are like succulent, red, juicy apples in God's sight. He's pleased with us. Why? Not necessarily because of ourselves, but because of Jesus. In Jesus, we can produce fruit for God. Second reason that being belonging to Jesus is so much better is that His Spirit helps us to deal with the flesh. His Spirit helps us to deal with this problem of the flesh. Take a look at verse 6. Paul writes, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. The Spirit. The Spirit is what enables us to live that obedient life, that ideal life we know God is calling us to live. You see, Jesus, the Bible says when Jesus walked on earth, He was a human in every way, tempted as we are, but He didn't sin. You say, how did He do that? Like even in the moments where we're really, really tempted and we always give in, Jesus didn't. How did He do that? The Bible's answer is in the power of the Spirit. And it's that same spirit that is given to us when we belong to Jesus. Which means we can now say no to the flesh. That thing within us that was fighting against everything that God wanted for us, we can say no, because we have the spirit of Jesus. Does that mean that we will be perfect? No, because we still have the flesh. There's still a battle going on. We will fail and stumble. But in the spirit, we now have the power to overcome temptation, to say yes, when we know what God would have for us. At the end of The Nutty Professor, there's this scene where Buddy Love and 
Sherman Clump are kind of going at it almost within the same body and Sherman and Buddy and Sherman and Buddy and ultimately Sherman destroys Buddy and he goes away. It's almost like that, not totally, almost like that with the Spirit. It helps us to overcome temptation, helps us to live and start to walk in the way of life that God would have for us. Start helps us to start to fulfill the law as Jesus did. So why is Jesus so much better? First of all, he saves us. He doesn't condemn us. And then second of all, his spirit helps us to deal with the flesh. As I look out tonight, Romans tells me, Paul tells me, that I see before me one of two kinds of people. Either you belong to the law, you're bound to the law, or you belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, what this passage tells us is that it doesn't matter what your week has been. I don't know how you've gone this week. I don't know how you've gone the last month, the last year. Whether you've been living the life that you should, whether you've been obedient to Jesus, whether you've just been trying to uh, fit in with all of your friends. I don't know what you've been like. But what this passage says, if you belong to Jesus, then because of Jesus, God is pleased with you. And you can rest confident Not fearing judgment, but with the power to overcome that temptation. So don't rest where you are. By the power of the Spirit, seek to walk day by day the life that Jesus has called us to live. On the other hand, I know there are some of us here tonight who are still under the law. Now I reckon within that group, there might be two types of people. One under the law says, well, I'm okay there. Because I think I'm a pretty good person. I'm okay because I know what God tells me to do and I reckon I'm doing a pretty good job of doing it. Paul says, no. The flesh means that you just can't do it. You're not even living up to your own standards, let alone God. You know that. You ever said, I'm not going to do this and then you do it? It's the flesh within you that does that. But because you're under the law, you can't keep that law And therefore, you are in danger of God's judgment. Can I encourage you? Come to Jesus tonight. The death that frees you from the bondage to law is the same death that sets you free to life in the Spirit with Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus tonight. Finally, there are those of us here tonight who say, you know what, stuff it. I'm not going to become a Christian. I don't want someone telling me what I can and cannot do. I want freedom. Well, if that is you... Paul would say, you're not actually as free as you might think. Because whether you realize it or not, you will be held to account by God's law. The only way to find true freedom, the only way to get the freedom that you really so long for, is actually in Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, he aligns what you know you should do with what you want to do. And actually, so there is freedom in Jesus. Not a case of saying, I'm not going to do this because I'm not allowed to. I'm not going to do this. No, it's a case of saying, I am going to do this because I know it's what God wants for me and it's what I want to do. All of a sudden, there is freedom. Our head and our will are aligned and we want to live this ideal life. We want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We want to live the life of love, that ideal life that all of us were created to live. And so my challenge to you, friends, is come to Jesus tonight. If you haven't done that, 
please do so tonight. You will not regret it. It's the life you were made to live. Why don't you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you for Paul's words and this message that there is freedom in Christ, freedom from the law that binds us and condemns us. I pray for anyone here tonight who is still under law and wants to get out. I pray that you might move them to put their trust in Jesus as their saviour, to trust in his death on their behalf, that death at the cross that does away with the punishment that they so rightly deserve and brings them into the new life, a life in the Spirit. Father, for those of us who are Christians, I pray that you would help us know more and more what your will is for us. What does it look like to live the ideal life? Help us to fulfill the law, to be the type of people you created us to be. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.